Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Luke chapter 11. Let's read this together. I'm going to read four verses out of Luke 11. I'm going to pray real fast. I'm going to tell a couple funny stories, hopefully. And then I'm going to share some, again, some ideas, and I believe what God is speaking to our church on the topic of prayer. It says this in Luke 11. It says, now it came to pass as Jesus was praying. What was he doing? He was praying in a certain place. Here's what I've learned, that if you'll create a place, God will bring the presence. Many times we don't have the presence of God in our life because we don't create a place. Another message, but we'll keep going. He was praying in a certain place, and when he stopped praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Lord, I didn't say it that obnoxiously, but Lord, John was like, Lord, Peter's like, Lord, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when, 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 notice not if. If, but come on, when you pray, keyword here, say. I want to let you know that prayer, I believe you can meditate on, on prayers and thoughts, but I believe that true prayer isn't prayer until it's verbalized. When you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed, another word for awesome is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who is indebted our sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6 goes on and adds extra credit and says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, both now and forever, in Jesus' name. That was the Lord's Prayer. I want to talk to you today about first pray. Lord, I just ask you now for the next several moments that as we talk about prayer, that God, something would be even deposited inside of us. Show us that, Lord, prayer isn't something that's kind of cool, extracurricular activities. Show us that it's not a minor in life, it's a major thing in life. I pray today that you would incite an appetite and a passion like never before to spend time with you, to get to know you, and that you would show us that the power of the Christian life is connecting with God through prayer. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, come on, say amen. Amen. I had an imagination growing up, and uh, probably why I didn't do very well in school. I was good at daydreaming, and... Uh, I didn't get great grades always in school. Uh, I, I, you know, I was in math class. I was, I was the top. I was always the top of math class, the bottom third uh, of the top percentage in math class. But I, I wasn't like a great student. I, I was always daydreaming. I always liked watching movies. I kind of had a photographic memory, and uh, I remember watching a lot of Disney movies growing up. Now, when the movie came out, it was awesome. It was, and some of you that are older than probably 34, 35 will know this. But when this movie came out, it kind of gave voice to a fantasy that every, I think, most kids, most people have when they're growing up. Some of us never outgrow the fantasy. But most people, uh, they, they, they come to a point that they outgrow it. But when I was a kid, I remember when the movie, one of God's favorites, come on, Aladdin. Had a crush on Princess Jasmine. Thought for sure, man. I just thought for sure I'm going to marry a girl like Jasmine one day. Called her Jazzy. 
And uh, I remember watching Aladdin, and it was awesome because if you don't know the premise of the movie, it's about a kid, a young man named Aladdin, that has an encounter with a genie. And this genie changes his life. This genie gives him three wishes. I don't know if you ever watched the movie, but at the end of the movie, he not only gets three wishes, but uses his last wish to free the genie. And it's like a very dramatic scene at the end of the movie that he could make the wish to become a prince again, but instead he uses the wish for the genie to become free. I'm like, why didn't Jasmine step in? She still had three wishes. Anyways, another message. Uh, I thought about this, though, that one of the greatest fantasies that we dream growing up is what would you do if you had an encounter with a genie or maybe with God and you could ask him for whatever you want? Now I'm smart, so the first wish, come on, it's more wishes. Three people in here that have some IQ sense. I'm asking for more wishes. I'm asking God, come on, give me more opportunities. I'm asking the first wish, tell me what the rest of the wishes should be. And uh, there's something about asking with wisdom when you have opportunities that are transcendent. And I actually love this because in Luke 11 that we read, it's really one of the few passages in the Bible that God has an audience with human beings. And these human beings, which this is the different part that's unique, they know God, they know Jesus better than most people know him. I would say that the disciples knew Jesus probably as good as anyone on the earth knew him. So why is it that those that knew him best asked him not for wealth, fame, notoriety, power, but they, I just, it's interesting to me that you can ask God for anything and they don't ask him for any of those other things that most of us would ask for they ask him, hey, God, we got one big request. We've all been talking over here. Peter's been over there talking. John was talking. The sons of thunder were talking. We were all wondering, our greatest desire, our greatest wish is that you would teach us how to pray. This is our number one wish. What's your number one wish, Mark? I want to learn how to pray. Now, it doesn't sound like a big deal. So most of us are like, yeah, of course. I mean, prayer's good. It's good. You know, it's a good thing to do. It's nice to do. It's good for you. It's good to do prayer. I want you to think you're standing before the Messiah. You can ask him for anything. Anything. I want Legos. If you're a little kid, come on. <laughs> or you're 35. <laughs> I, want, I want this system. I want this opportunity. I want this investment. I want this, I want this startup company. I want this influence. I want this platform power. You can ask him for anything. And like a genie, they come to God and say, you know what we've all talked about? You know, we boil down our greatest request for in life. We want to know how to pray. I think it's pretty wild because really only in the Bible a couple of times did people that knew God well or even have an encounter with God have the opportunity to ask him for anything. You know, back in um, Chronicles, in 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and 1 Kings, I believe it's chapter 1, or uh, no, 1 Kings chapter 3. Three, Second Chronicles chapter 1, Solomon is a young king, and in a dream he has an encounter with God. And God comes to him in the dream. By the way, just a good point to mention, the reason why I believe that God came to Solomon in a way that he came to no one else is because when most kings sacrifice one animal, Solomon sacrificed a thousand. So he gave God more than any king has ever given him, and he got from God what no king has ever gotten. God comes in a dream like a genie and says, hey, anything you ask, I'll give it to you anything and Solomon's a young man really young like maybe single digit young and he goes uh God you know what 
There's a lot of people I'm leading. I got no idea what I'm doing. He's like, Joe Dirt, I'm new. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? (laughs) He's like, sorry, flashback. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so he says, God, would you please give me wisdom to know what's good and what's evil to do what's good in your sight? Would you give me wisdom? And God's response to this young kid named Solomon is, guess what, young man? Because you asked me, not for wealth, not for the heads of your enemies, not for a long life, not for any of the other things that everyone else asked for, because you asked for the right thing, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. You know what Luke 11, I think, is? I think Luke 11 is the New Testament version of those passages with Solomon. It's these young men asking God for the right thing because they knew if they could get this, that they'd get all of that. I believe if you know how to pray, that God will take care of all the other details of your life. Business details, financial details, family details, relational wisdom, everything occurs in prayer. And my conviction is, why in the world, if you knew Jesus the best, why in the world would you ask him for prayer? It could be that they saw the correlation between what Jesus lived and how he prayed. What he prayed and how he lived. And today I want to encourage you. Some say, well, Mark, what's the myth about praying? Let me give you a couple myths. Myth number one about prayer is you have to pray between 4 and 5 in the morning. Can we just give God a quick hand clap? One hand clap. That was a recession clap. One hand clap because, listen to me, good news, if you're a morning person, praise God. But God isn't some God that only can be accessed in the morning between 4 and 6 a.m. I think prayer is great in the morning. I've had some great prayer times in the morning. But I want you to know that like your wife or your husband, you you don't have designated spots to kiss them. I'm going in for a kiss after service. Rochelle's like, nope, it's not between 7.30 and 8.30. We can only be intimate with each other during certain times of the day. You know what that is? That is a stale relationship. And I got good news for you that the first myth about prayer is you, you can pray any time of the day. Anywhere in the world. There's reception everywhere. I got good news for some of you. You're like, Mark, well, what's the second myth about prayer? It's not only do you have to pray early in the morning. The second myth about prayer is it has to, it has to be spoken in the Queen's English. That's not the King James Version. It's not God's Word. I got news for you that the Bible wasn't written in English, people. And there are some churches that make laws over things that should never be lost. There's a church in Idaho that said God only speaks through the King James Version, and he only hears prayers that are prayed in King James English, in the, in the Queen's English. I got news for you that God knows where you are. He's not, he's not bilingual or trilingual. God is omnilingual. He speaks every language, every dialect. He understands gibberish. Come on, pigeon. He knows ebonics. Come on, somebody. God speaks all languages. Espanol. Hello. That's all I got. I'm telling you today that God, listen to me, if he can understand different dialects, I'm pretty sure he can understand if you're using normal, everyday language. I always think it's funny when someone starts, you're talking to someone, like, how you doing, bro? Good, man, great. How's your life going? What's going on? What's new? Oh, man, everything's going wonderful. My wife and I had this, you know, great trip, the big vacation. It's New Year's. Hey, you want to pray for the food tonight? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, Lord. Holiest of holy one, thy will be done over thee, 
macaroni. Like, why are you speaking like that? You ever met a Christian that when they start praying or preaching, they turn into somebody else? Where'd you go? Is this like a split personality? This is a new Marvel movie? Like, you aren't... I believe that God knows who you are, where you are, and he can understand the way you talk. So you don't have to speak in the Queen's English. How about another myth? You don't have to start prayer times with Father God. Can we thank him for that? I don't know. I just feel uncomfortable. When someone starts saying Abba or Father... Uh, every sentence, it makes me feel uncomfortable. You ever met a father godder? I'm going to take a moment on this. I'm going to educate somebody. It, I've been weirded. I remember I went to Bible college, first day of Bible college. There was like some church kids that were in the church their whole life. And I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to pray. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to pay attention. And I'm going to learn from them. And sure enough, one of these college students, you know, starts praying. It's just every three words, it's father God. Father God, I just thank you that Father God today, Father God's going to be a good day, and Father God, you're great, and Bible college, Father God's going to just be, Father God, so good, and number one at Taco Bell, Father God, number two at Taco Bell, Father God at, at, at fries and a taquito with the Father, it's like every three words, Father, stop Father Godding people. Come on, can I be honest? Come on, liberate someone today. I don't say, my daughter doesn't say, hey, dad, 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 hey, dad, today, dad, what are we, dad, what are you doing after service, dad, today, are we going to go home, dad, right after service, dad, what's the plan for Monday, dad, Tuesday, what's the, dad, 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 like, listen, <sighs> hey, God, hey, dad, how's life going, dad, after service today, I wanted just to know, what was on your, yours and mom's agenda, where do you want to eat, what are we doing this week, hey, dad, you look good today, I think you lost some weight with that fast. Thank you, daughter. Where do you want to go shopping today? <laughs> I'm telling you that you do not have to father God to come into the presence of Jesus. And here's a good one. You don't have to speak Christianese. This will liberate someone today. Some of you think that God only speaks the language of Zion. And I got news for you today that you don't have to say hallelujah and praise the Lord every three seconds you can actually talk like your normal vernacular when you come into the presence of God. If you believe it, come on, say amen. It's great news. Great news today. Well, how long should I pray, preacher? I, I got good news for you. There is no official me uh, method to the length and duration. There's all types of durational prayers in the Bible. Jesus prayed in Mark chapter 1 for 40 days and 40 nights. It's a long prayer time. He prayed also on another occasion. It says that he prayed all night for his disciples in Luke chapter 6. The literal translation of all night in Luke chapter 6 is he prayed 12 hours and he woke up in the morning and he ordained 12 disciples. And I believe this, think about it, he prayed one hour for each one of the people that he selected. And he prayed 12 hours to pick 12. He prayed 40 days, 40 nights in Mark 1. And I, got, I, get, I love this one in Luke, uh, in Luke chapter, John chapter 11. He prays a three-word prayer. Lazarus! Come forth. That was a prayer. So we see long prayers and short prayers. People say, how long do I pray? I think you should pray until something happens. I pray until I sense some sort of breakthrough. People say, what is prayer? Prayer is releasing a burden. That's what prayer does. And if you go into the presence of God and you cite the same three things, God is good, God is great, thank you for this food, amen. And your prayer time every day becomes this religious monotony of just saying the same things over and over and over again. You have slipped into the rut that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6, that Jesus said, they think they're heard for their many words. 
it's not the vain repetitions, it's connecting with God when we pray. You see, prayer changes things. Prayer reminds us who's in charge. We don't bring requests to someone that has less authority than us. Prayer reminds us who has charge and power in our life. Prayer helps us to live with more strength and less worries. Prayer actually gives us, uh, it, it actually gives us this great activity. And listen, prayer is not just an activity. It's an awareness of who God is. When you begin to talk to God, you become more aware of God. God hears our prayers. And I love this. I'm going to pray like, like everything in my life depends on God, but I'm going to be diligent like everything depends on me. I believe there's something powerful about connecting with God through prayer. And guess what? If your Bible reading life stinks, so does your prayer life. And if your prayer life is stale, it's probably because your Bible reading life is stale. Can I help you this morning? God wants you to be vibrant in, in reading the time, spending time with God, and he wants you to be vibrant in talking to him. Your Bible and your prayer life are connected because three things, prayer, Bible reading, and worship are all three connected. And I can prove it to you throughout Old Testament and New Testament. There was three archangels. There was Lucifer. He was over worship. There was Gabriel. He was over prayer. There was Michael, which was over delivering words from God. And guess what? I believe all three of these are, are very important because that's how you have a great quiet time. I want to have noisy quiet times, by the way. I want to make some noise in my quiet time that affects my normal life. And when you get alone with God and you start connecting with God, there's something profound that happens when we worship, when we pray, and when we, when we read God's Bible, when we read his word. People say, man, I don't know, what, what about, what's so significant about prayer? Throughout the scriptures, it says, love your enemies and to pray for them, Matthew chapter 5. It says to pray for those who mistreat you, Luke chapter 6. Men always should pray and not lose heart, Luke chapter 18. It says in Romans 8, 26, that when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit himself will pray through you with utterances that cannot be understood. It says to pray for one another in James chapter 5. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, that we should pray without ceasing. It goes on, it says that my house, Jesus said, my house, my church, shall be called a house of So profound, profoundly clear. It goes on, it says, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive them. Matthew 21 and Luke, Mark chapter 11. It says they continued in Acts chapter 1. Guess what? The church itself was birthed in a prayer meeting. 120 people were in an upper room. And it says in Luke, or Acts chapter 1 that they were all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplications. It says to be constant in prayer, Romans 12, 12. It says in Philippians 4, 6, check this out, to be anxious about nothing. But in every area of your life, through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God that transcends your understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It says in Colossians 4, 2, to continually, earnestly pray. It says in, in, in uh, James chapter 5 that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly. He prayed passionately. The word earnestly means red hot. I believe this, that passionate prayer isn't the volume of your voice. It's the passion of your heart. I'll say it again. Passionate prayer is not the volume. I'm praying passionately. Now I'm praying very meekly right now. This is meek prayer. Your voice level. Have you ever thought about this? 
the devil's not scared when you raise your voice. Oh, man, he yelled in Jesus' name, so I better go now. Did you hear him? He raised his voice. He's serious. Do you ever think about this? God is not impressed by the loud voice or the quiet voice. He's interested in the passionate heart. Many people in the think that, well, I don't know, man. I got I to gotta pray. And, and I, I got good news for you that, that you can actually, and I'm getting into this in a second, but you can actually pray, pray in such a way that actually alters your circumstances. Many people think, well, man, how do I pray? How long should I pray? You know, it says in, a, this is the problem, I think, with most people in America. It says, husbands, honor your wife. Give honor to your wife that your prayers may not be hindered. I believe that when you're fighting at home in your marriage, that's why we're going to do a series on marriage and family next month. I believe that when there's disunity in your family, it's very hard to get great prayers into heaven and to get the presence of heaven into your family. Because when you have a hindered relationship, your prayers are hindered. Are you tracking with me? It goes on, it says that the 24 elders in heaven, check this out, in Revelations 5.8, it says each one of them have a harp. They fall down before the lamb, and they have a bowl, a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Do you know that in heaven there's a golden bowl of incense that are our prayers? My father-in-law, who's, I believe, an apostle of prayer, he, he, I remember he teaching us when I was growing up, he said, Mark, imagine like a big bowl Every time you prayed, you're filling this bowl up. At some point, God begins to pour out the request. And John, John Wesley, who started the Methodist church, once said that everything God does on the earth is connected to someone's prayer. I believe that prayer changes things. Listen to me. Prayer is not begging. It's believing. Prayer is not trying to twist the arm of a reluctant God. It's actually asking God to do what he already desires to do. Would you heal? Would you restore? Would you break off? Would you break through? All it does is it makes it happen sooner. It makes it happen faster. And it makes it happen more vibrantly in our lives. Ian Bounds says that when I cease to prayer, coincidences cease to exist. Prayer brings things out of the unseen realm and brings it into this visible realm. This is what prayer does, people. And I believe that if I was in hell and I had an agenda for the Christian church, I know that if I can get Christians to stop praying, I can make them ineffective. And we live ineffective lives because we live prayerless lives. Prayerless doesn't mean that you don't pray. It means that you pray less. And I want to live a prayer more life, a prayer full life. I don't want to be prayer empty. I want to be, come on. I'm preaching better than you're talking this morning. Come on, can I get an amen? I'm going to bat this head nod in here. Come on, give me something. I'm telling you that God is going to do something in Oceans Church that we will know how to pray. We will know why to pray. And we're not going to just have reasons to pray. We're going to have revelations to pray. I believe that prayer changes atmospheres. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly. And it did not, didn't rain. Do you know that prayer changed the physical, geographical atmosphere of that place? There was clouds that left, and then when he prayed again, there was clouds that came. I believe that red, hot, fervent, earnest prayers change circumstances. The bank could come up. We're going to pray at the end of this service. Kind of weird to talk about prayer, not do it. We will be a praying church. People, listen to me, you're like, Mark, I don't know if I want to pray. Listen, I know you want to pray. 
You know why? Because I know the outcome that you desire. How do you know that you know the outcome? Because I know that no one in this room wants to get divorced. I know that no one in this room wants their kids to go crazy. I know that everyone in this room wants their families to live long, favored, blessed lives. I know what you want. And our only disagreement at times is you don't realize how to get to what you want. You get where you want by connecting with God in the holy of holies. It is the access to God's presence and his power that actually creates the reality in our lives on the earth. Prayer changes things. And I believe that prayer doesn't just change a, a God, it changes us. Many people don't realize that prayer is one of the most powerful things that we can do with our times. Most things that happened that were powerful in the early church happened in prayer. If you're here today, I want to just give you a couple, three points and I'm going to, I'm going to land the plane. I believe that when we pray, number one, if you're taking notes, how do I pray, preacher? Number one, I believe you got to focus when you pray. So I'm going to tell you to focus your mind. You ever notice that as soon as you open your Bible up, your phone rings a hundred times? Your kids start acting demon-possessed? Hello, church. You ever been there before? It's like, man, I'm going to spend some time with God. It's like everything happens. You know what I do a lot of times? I always have my little journal here next to me. I'm old school, so I still write hand notes and hand messages. And I, Thank you, Jenna. Me and you. Me and you. I think some of you don't realize this, but I think it's great to get like a pen and paper or even a notepad on your phone and say, I'm going to spend time with God. And what's going to happen is the devil is going to remind you of everything you have to do that you should be doing. So you know what I do now? In the beginning, I used to get frustrated because I get distracted and I have ADD, so I'm just all over the place. But now, every time he tells me, you should, be, you should be writing this bill check right now. You should be going over here right now. You should be doing this. And every time he tells me something, I just write it on my phone. I say, thank you, devil. I'm going to do that as soon as I'm done. And then he gives me the next thing. I'm like, cool, i got a great list of things to do as soon as I stop praying. I've learned this, that if you don't have time for God, you don't have time to be blessed. If I don't have time for God, I'm too busy. And if I'm going to honor anybody in my life, I'm not going to honor people with my time that don't have the power to bless me. Hear me today. You can go to your boss. Your boss might have some power to bless you, but he doesn't have ultimate power to bless you. You spend time with a friend. Listen to me, it's good to spend time with friends, but never at the expense of neglecting God. If I'm too busy for God, I'm too busy. So what I do is when I begin to come into the presence of God through Luke chapter 11, he starts off by saying, Our Father in heaven, awesome is your name. What does that mean? He's coming into the presence of God with praise. You know what praise is? It's worship. It's adoration. You know that in Psalms 100, the Message Bible says, Enter into God's presence with the password, thank you. You know the fastest way to get the presence of God is by saying, God, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my job. Thank you, God, that yesterday, you know what, I probably should have hit that car. But, God, you moved my car last second. Thank you that you spared me from getting a ticket when that cop saw me going 100 miles an hour. Thank, are you following me? When you start thanking God, his presence fills the room. God can't help but to show up where he's honored. So that's why when you focus your mind, it's, that's what, you know why we sing in the beginning of the service? It's because it's the only part of church that's for God. It's worship. But what worship and, and music to God does is it focuses our minds on God. And you stop thinking about all your issues and drama and all the big problems get smaller and the smallness of God gets bigger. That's what worship does. People say, how do you have a good quiet time with God, Mark? You focus your mind through worship. 
And then after I focus my mind with worship, I, I thank God for what he's doing, because that's what worship does. Then I'm going to, number two, I'm going to pray my mind. Pray your mind. People, this is a myth in the church. Well, I can't pray for myself. i got to pray for everybody else. i got news for you. God wants you to pray for yourself. He wants you to pray for the needs that are in your life. I just believe that God doesn't just want you to pray for yourself. And if the only people that you pray for have your last name, you need to broaden your sphere. I don't want to just pray for Francis. Are you hearing me today? And I don't, I don't want you to just pray for people that have your last name. Pray, come on. If God answered all your prayers, would your life be better or would the world be better? And I think that, that the indictment on American Christianity is, is that the only people we pray for is ourselves. God, if you make my life better, I will enrich others also. That's a good prayer to prayer. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Finally, not only will I pray my mind, it says in Philippians, as I read, to be anxious about nothing, but to pray about everything. I'm going to go to God, and whatever's in my head, God, i got to do this this week. I have a, a meeting with the accountant this week. I have to meet with this realtor this week. i got to look at some properties this week. i got to do this, do that, take my daughter to this. She has small groups. She has basketball. God, I'm praying what's on my mind. So I focus my mind through worship. I pray my mind through connecting with God. And by the way, praying your mind is when you talk to God. And after I talk to God, I'm going to thirdly, I'm going to actually renew my mind through spending time reading the Word of God. I actually believe this, that when you spend time reading God's Word, that gives God opportunity to talk back to you. Max Lucado said, people ask how, long, how, how much they should pray. He said it this way. He goes, you should pray long enough for you to say what you want to say to God. And long enough for God to respond and say to you what he wants to say back. Prayer should go two ways. It's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's where I pour out my heart to God and God puts his desires into me. This is what prayer does. And I believe that when you start connecting with God on this level, things begin to change. I'm convinced that even in, in, in the early church, we see all throughout scripture you know, in Acts chapter 12, it says that the early church prayed earnestly for the apostle Peter to be released from his death sentence in the, in the prison. And while they prayed earnestly, this is, I think this is kind of funny. I'm just going to go there because I need to. Acts chapter 12. Look at this passage real fast. This, I believe, is a microcosm picture of, I think, the church today in many ways. I want you just to, to catch this real quick. It says in Acts chapter 12, um, verse 5, it, sees, it says, And Peter was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Help me out. By the, pretending you know what you're doing. Come on. By the, watch. And so this miracle happens. Peter gets out of prison. In verse 13, Peter knocks at the door, right, of the gate. And a girl named Rhoda answers the door. She, she heard at the door, and when she opened the gate, she ran and announced that Peter, who everyone was praying for, stood at the gate. And the, everyone in the prayer meeting says, you're beside yourself. Modern day, you have lost your mind. Let's say it another way. That's impossible. God, release Peter. Spare Peter's life. Forgive Peter. Lord, be with him. Liberate him. Get him out of prison. <laughs> Little girl. Guys, you'll never believe it. Peter's here. That's impossible. 
We're too busy asking for it to experience it. Listen to me. Ocean's Church isn't going to just ask. We're going to experience. Feel something in here. We're not just an asking church. We're an experiencing church. God, if you could start the vineyard, come on, in Orange County. You could start Calvary Chapel in Orange County. If you could start Azusa Street in Los Angeles. My grandma was there. God, if you could start Crystal Cathedral in Orange County. God, if you could do great outpourings of the presence of God in Orange County, would you do it again in our day? I'm not just asking for it. I'm believing that we're going to experience it. You mark my words. Ocean's Church will have campuses all over the world in ocean, port, coastal cities. And I believe the days will come that God will do something so great in our movement that it will be such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man's the great things that God will do through this community. If you believe it, I'd say amen. I'd even clap. That's you. That's me. That's us. It's our church. Stand to your feet. I feel something in here. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.